Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Good morning, Crossview Church. Welcome to Church Online. Merry Christmas. Thanks for being here this morning as we celebrate the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Did you know that for the Christian church, the season of Christmas starts on the 25th and it goes for 12 days? Many people start packing up Christmas on December 26th, but for centuries, the followers of Jesus celebrate the joy of Jesus' birth for 12 days, starting on December 25th. Pretty cool, right? So we find ourselves in the Christmas season right now. Now, Christmas is a most wonderful and profound time of year as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I just want to say as we continue here, I'm so thankful for Pastor Mark and for Pastor Holly teaching us over these past several weeks of Advent. Now, we spent much of Advent looking at the book of Luke, and I love the story of Jesus' birth from the beginning of Luke. But today, I want us to notice something profound about Christmas and the beginning of Jesus' story from the book of John. Now, as uh, you know, or if you grew up in church, at the beginning of the New Testament, there are four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four different accounts of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts are very similar, but John is quite a bit different. John's Gospel doesn't have a birth announcement or talk about Jesus' birth in the same way as the other Gospels. John gives us a bit of a different perspective. And one of the things I love about John's gospel is, uh, it's unique, is that when John wrote his gospel, he was likely older. Uh, Not only that, but John's gospel is widely considered to be one of the latest gospels written. So you can just imagine that John, being one of the disciples that walked around with Jesus, wanted to write down his account of Jesus' life and what it was like to be with Jesus and all that Jesus did. He wanted to tell these most important stories for the benefit of generations to come. So it's likely that John was asked regularly to tell these stories. I mean, just imagine if you knew someone who'd walked around with Jesus. Wouldn't you want to hear from him all the time? I know I would, and it's likely that anywhere John went, people would say, tell us the story of what it was like to be with Jesus. We've heard these stories, but you were an eyewitness. John was a pretty incredible person, and he went through a lot in his life, and he certainly had a way with words, especially when it came to describing Jesus. John is the the person who articulated God in a single word, love. It was almost as if he sat back and he said, okay, uh, let's make this as simple and as clear as possible. God is, now remember this everybody, God is love. One of the reasons this statement is so powerful is because John had experienced a lot in his life, and especially a lot of loss and pain. There are a few historical facts that make the beginning of John's gospel pretty incredible, and I'd like to share some of those with you. John was alive uh, during the time of Emperor Nero, and when Nero sent a general named Vespasian into Galilee, and one commentator said this of that general's trip through Galilee, that he began to work his way down through Galilee, rolling up all these Jewish cities and all these Jewish towns, slaughtering thousands and thousands of Jewish people and sending thousands and thousands of men, women, and children into the slave markets of Rome. John lived through that. He also lived through the time when Vespasian left his son Titus outside the city of Jerusalem. Now, Titus was the one who eventually sacked the city of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and stole all of its treasures. 
Now, John either saw that uh, the city surrounded or perhaps John was inside the city of Jerusalem. We don't exactly know. But for seven months, while Titus surrounded the city with his troops, people starved to death. Plagues broke out. The Roman army built a ditch around the wall all the way around the city trying to get inside to sack the city. And at the end of this Jewish war in 70 AD, the temple had been burnt to the ground and all its treasures had been carried away. There's a famous Roman arch that still stands to this day in Rome depicting Titus's victory in Jerusalem. It's called the Ark of Titus. Over a million Jews were slaughtered. Over 100,000 slaves were taken from the city of Jerusalem and put into the Roman slave markets. It's a pretty amazing time. Horrible time. Devastating time. And also, by the time that John had written his gospel, his friends Peter and Paul had been executed by Nero. We know them very well from the stories of Scripture. Throughout all of this bloodshed, throughout all of the loss, and throughout all of the chaos that we can't even begin to imagine, John never lost his faith. In spite of all the things that John had seen, in spite of what John had experienced at the end of his life, at the destruction of almost everything that was important to him, in spite of uh, all of this loss, John still believes that Jesus was this incredible source of life. So when he begins his gospel, he doesn't begin with a birth narrative, which is also fascinating because we know uh, that this John was given the responsibility to care for Jesus's mother. When Jesus was crucified and Jesus was on the cross and he was dying, he says to John, he says, John, I want you to take care of my mother. In John 19, 26 through 27, we find this. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. Some commentators think that they left and eventually went to Ephesus and that he took care, John took care of, of Jesus' mother until she died. And, but we can just imagine that John, of any of them, had incredible opportunity to hear over and over and over the story of Jesus' birth. If anyone had the opportunity to say, Mary, tell me what it was like one more time. What was it like when you discovered that you were pregnant with Jesus? What did you feel when the angel appeared? What was it like to know that you bore the Son of God? I mean, we can just imagine that he had opportunity to hear firsthand the story that we celebrate today from the very mother of Jesus. And yet when John begins his gospel, he doesn't begin with shepherds. He doesn't begin with a manger. He doesn't begin with any of that. He begins with a statement about the significance of Jesus, about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Remember, John lived through some very dark times. We're living through some dark and difficult days as well. Yet when John sat down to start his gospel, before he got into the other stories, before he started writing about the details of Jesus' life, here's what he said, and this is so extremely powerful. He says this in John 1, verses 4 through 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John's got all of this difficult life experience. He's had all of this time to think about how to introduce Jesus, and he has all of this perspective, and he's seen things come and go. He's seen people born and die. 
He's seen the destruction of almost everything that's important to him. And as he summarizes it, he says, when I think about Jesus, the best way I know how to put it is that he's life and he's light. And he's the light that shines bright in the darkness of this world. And even though it might seem like it, the darkness has not overcome the light. Man, that is a message that we need today. Now, this was such a huge statement because when Jesus showed up on the planet and the people began to view him as the Messiah that he was, they thought that what Jesus was going to do was going to be local or regional, that Jesus was the Messiah for only Israel and the Jewish people. Yet, knowing that John's gospel is written later uh, and that John is a bit older, you can imagine John sitting back as an old man and, and he reflects and he says, I realize now that Jesus didn't simply just come for us, that Jesus wasn't simply only the savior for the Jewish people, but that Jesus came for all of us, all humanity, that what he brought was light and life for everyone. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. This truth is made clear at the beginning of Acts after Jesus had risen from the dead. He gathered his disciples together and they took the opportunity, it says, at that point to ask Jesus this question in Acts 1 verse 6. Then they gathered around him, that is Jesus, and they asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is now the time that you're going to restore the nation of Israel and give us all of our stuff back? Is now the time when we can run the Romans out of town and reestablish our kingdom on this earth and our independence? And Jesus says to them, actually, no, don't miss the point. He says, don't worry about things that are not yours to control. The reason that you're here is because now is the time for you to take the light and the life that I have given you to every single nation. You're to share with every single ethnic group, all peoples of the world. Uh, that what you've heard me say and what you've seen me do, you're to make disciples of all nations everywhere. And I wonder here if John in this moment has this aha moment, a realization that'll help shape the beginning of what he eventually writes in his gospel, in the, in the verses that we're looking at. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Maybe he thought about the darkness around him, darkness that maybe we can relate to on some degree from the past uh, nine months. He says, in spite of everything that's happened, in spite, of, in spite of everyone who's died, everyone who's been executed, in spite of all of those who've been taken away, in spite of the fact that the whole Jewish nation is basically out of business as, as they knew it, in spite of the fact that the temple is destroyed, the sacrificial system is no longer, never to be restarted again, in spite of the fact that everything I've grown to know and love is gone, in spite of all of that, the light, Jesus shines bright. And he writes, and the darkness has not, and, and maybe he paused here and thought, well, what's the right word here? Remember the context of John's experiences. The darkness seems to be working hard to put out the light. It seems to be working hard to snuff out the light, to overwhelm it, to seize it, to imprison it, to surround it. And yet, as hard as it seems that the darkness of this world has tried to put out this light, John says that the darkness has not overcome it. It has not put it out. Nero couldn't do it. Vespasian couldn't do it. 
Titus couldn't do it. The destruction of the temple couldn't do it. Not even the death of Jesus could snuff out the light. John, that was, John was absolutely convinced that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what we face, no matter how deep the heartache, no matter how extreme the fear, no matter how deep the uncertainty, that there is a light that shines in the darkness and that there is no amount of darkness, no type of darkness that can overcome it and put it out. So in this season of Christmas, we are reminded in the midst of all the darkness of our time that Jesus is life and light, the one who overcomes the darkness. And not just for the Jewish people, for all of us, for all time. There is always hope. There is a reason to believe. There is a God who hears our prayers. There's a God who offers us hope and peace and joy and love. And John ends his book by letting us know that there is more that he could say about Jesus. It says in John 20, verses 30 through 31. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. In John 21, 25, it says, Jesus did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Isn't that wonderful? What makes this the most wonderful time of the year is the fact that our Heavenly Father sent His Son into this world. And in Him, John says, is life and the light of all humanity. And that that light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. Not then, not now, and not ever. What an amazing thing for us to realize and to celebrate the coming of Jesus and what it means for all of us, even in the midst of what has been some dark times for us. There is hope in the person of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today for what you've done. We thank you for the coming of your son that we celebrate in this Christmas season. God, I'm thankful for the scripture that reminds us of who you are. In the context of this story where you come and you're described as the life and the light of all humanity in what was back then some very difficult, devastating, and dark times. God, we all face uh, difficulties in life, and we've faced a very difficult and dark time uh, this past year. We do not lose hope because we know who you are. <laughs> we know that you are our life and you are our light, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. God, I'm just thankful for that message of your word, that reminder for us, and I pray for this next week uh, as we head into a new year, that we will be reminded of your power, your might, your glory, that we will be encouraged in our faith, connected with each other, serving one another, reaching out. We love you, Jesus. We praise you in your name. Amen.